In this episode, we are delving into Eucharistic miracles and why it's so important for each and every one of us believe that our Lord is present in the Blessed Sacrament, in the body, blood, soul, and divinity. Let's see together how much central is in our faith the Eucharist. So welcome to Salve Maria, the podcast of the Heralds of the Gospel. This program is dedicated to Eucharistic miracles. Welcome to Salve Maria, the podcast of the Heralds of the Gospel. So welcome to this episode of Salve Maria, the podcast of the Heralds of the Gospel. Salve Maria, Father Arthur. Salve Maria. Salve Maria, Brother Justin. Maria. We also say Salve Maria to the different audiences that are following us in YouTube. Uh, maybe in a while we are going to be also in Radio Maria. Canada. Eh? So I think it's good. Maybe we can greet them already, if in case they are there. And today the program is about Eucharistic miracles. And so, Father, you know, because uh, uh, there are some things that are happening in the church, you know, that, for instance, statistics from 2019 mm, say that, well, the people in the pews, Catholics in the United States, for instance, only three every seven believe in the real presence of the, you know, our, our Lord you know, in body, blood, soul, and divinity present in the Eucharist. So that's something that, um, you know, sometimes we can say, no, no, it's a, it's a matter of uh, maybe people disagree. But no, it's rather poor catechization. No? People really don't know. And so that's why it's so important that today you know, we're going to talk about Eucharistic miracles and also the importance of growing in Eucharistic devotion. I don't know, what do you... It's so essential, the Eucharist, that actually you, you can see the whole incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ coming to the world for what? To be present in the Eucharist till the end of the world and to be received by, um, by his uh, followers and to become one with them. So it's, it's absolutely you know, uh, essential, the Eucharist in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is already referred in the there's a reference in the first miracle that happened in the wedding of Cana when Mary tells our Lord Jesus Christ that they have run out of wine it is said that Mary was thinking at that moment already in the Eucharist because obviously our Lord Jesus Christ had already mentioned this to, and explained this to Mary and Mary was so happy that she was, couldn't wait anymore for this to happen and then our Lord Jesus Christ says to, to her my time has not come yet. It will come later. And it, and it did. And it did. But for many of us also, no? I mean, we all are thinking maybe that, well, what would have happened if we could be present 2,000 years ago, where, wherever our Lord was walking, you know, performing miracles, uh, feeding the 5,000, whatever. And in reality, we, we forget that He's as present as He was 2,000 years ago in Israel. He's as present in every single tabernacle. And all the miracles that He did, it was to prepare the big miracle of the transubstantiation of the bread and wine into his body, blood, soul, and divinity. That was the big miracle that the Lord Jesus Christ did in his life. Mm -hmm. Now, there is something perhaps very beautiful that, that we could start as well, Father, no, Brother Justin, in the sense that, well, in the scriptures, no, they say that the crown jewel of the scriptures are the four gospels, no? But within the four gospels, the crown jewel is the gospel of St. John. No? And then we have John chapter 6, where we have all this explanation, this beautiful you know, explanation that our Lord gives unapologetically about his, his presence in the Eucharist. No? 
I mean, if you look at John's gospel, we, we have to look at it as a whole, not just as a, a, a piece, not just as a line. Um, he meant it to be read as a whole. So we have the, the, the supernatural supernova, which is the beginning of St. John's gospel. We have the wedding feast of Cana, in which we have an incompleteness of of vases of, of wine that are created by our Lord Jesus Christ. He makes six. 600 liters of wine. Well, plenty, it was, but it wasn't still, small. it's six. Yeah. Um, and then we have the case of Nicodemus, in which he encounters the Hellenized Jew who has faith, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then we go forward, and we have the types of the Old Testament being fulfilled in the person of Jesus. So we have typology very clearly crossed over. We have the the multiplication of loaves. But then we end up in the center of the story, which is John chapter 6. Now keep in mind, the chapters were a later invention. They weren't. St. John wasn't putting in chapters and verses. That was done later by the Dominicans later on, after St. Thomas Aquinas. But the center of it is is this most important part, which is St. John is making very clear that the Eucharist is the core of of the mission of our Lord Jesus Christ. And there are two things that happen that John wants to mention them just before um, telling this wonderful discourse of the Bread of Life discourse, chapter 6. He is going to tell, first of all, the multiplication of the bread and fishes. There have been two, but this is the, uh, uh, the main one, the one for the 5,000. And right after that, he says... Uh, he the story he tells the story of our Lord Jesus Christ walking on the waters of the Sea of Galilee, which before, was amazing. Before we continue a little bit more in the in, in, not to situate our, our audience for those who are not that familiar, I would like to ask if you're listening already, if you could put your opinion. No? What do you think about the Eucharist, and what do you think exactly on ho- how the Eucharist impacts your life? Because we have comments down there, and it's very very important that we what we hear. No, uh, all those who are there, and eventually you put new questions, new things, so that we can also make new programs. Eh? So it's very, very important. If when we are listening, when you are listening, please go to the comments section and you know explain yourself in, in every way you would like to. But yes, Father. So there we go. The um, bread of life discourse is the moment in which our Lord Jesus Christ is going to explain the essence of his. Uh, transformation of the world, of mankind, of everything. He came to the world to transform us. How? Through the Eucharist. I heard it once placed that it was the incarnationalization of the world. Beautiful. Exactly. Not only did he incarnate himself, but through the Eucharist, he incarnates all of the church, all of us. Exactly. So it's an ongoing element. And this doesn't cheapen the divinity in any way. And it, this is the moment in which the big mysteries of our faith get together. Because we have the Trinity, which is a mystery. God is three. Okay, so he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The second person is going to become man as us. He's going to incarnate. The second mystery, the incarnation, which is absolutely impossible to, to know how this happens, that God can become a man. He's true God and true man at the same time. And then we have the Eucharist, in which uh, this man, God, is going to be united with us, or in the Eucharist. And how? But by another mystery, which is the real presence of our Lord Jesus Christ under the species of bread and wine. 
One of the things that is also fascinating is in the Old Testament, one of the greatest miracles was the multiplication of loaves by Elisha. And that was recounted time and time again as one of the apexes of prophecy, of the prophets, of doing the handiwork of God. Then we have Moses, right, who calls down manna upon the earth from God. So these two were very rare. It wasn't like every prophet was producing bread. So our Lord doing this production of multiplication of loaves and fishes established his credibility amongst the people. It made him someone who should be believed when he enters into the, the, the discourse of the John 6, Bread of Life uh, discourse. And I, 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 if we read that in context, it's mind-blowing what happens in the course of that conversation. Of course. It's uh, maybe one of the most important parts of this uh, discourse. I think we need to read it because uh, it's so... Uh, so so perfect. Nobody could say this with other words as perfect as the Lord Jesus Christ said it. Only God could say it. Exactly. So he began saying, I am the bread of life. For the Jews, the bread was the, the manna that uh, came to feed his people. So I am the real bread of uh, the real manna. Don't forget, manna was in the Ark of the Covenant. Exactly. Which at this point is lost. Exactly. It's lost. Now it's in their memory. That's all it is. Beautiful. Your ancestors ate the manna in the desert, but they died. <laughs> so they, what they ate, it was actually a symbol of something was going to happen because that food was not eternal, was only for a short time. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat uh, it and not die. So now I'm going to give you a bread that you can, are going to eat and you will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Now he says, he is the, the living bread. So this is absolutely, you know, it's tremendous. This is a, a At mystery. this point, the Pharisees uh, must be green, yellow, red, exactly. I don't know, apple, but apple, I, I also no? think it's important when we look at this, so remember, again, in context, the ones who he's addressing, are the ones who are following him into the desert. Oh, yes, exactly. They're not angry, you know, pe uh, no. people who don't like him or are trying to find fault. They are, you would say, his disciples. And yeah. this will cause much stress and people will leave. They have been fed by Jesus. Uh, at least version. once. Exactly, at, at least, least once. once. At least once. But with a wonderful They're bread witnesses. Actually. They're first-hand witnesses. Absolutely. They know that the bread is good. So, and the bread that I will give you is my flesh for the life of the world. So he's going to give his flesh. And he's going to explain it how. No? The Jews quarreled among themselves at this point. No? They, they were you know, astonished. And they said, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus will say, amen, amen. I say to you. I mean, I'm, I, I, this is, a, this is a, an official statement. Amen. It's a question of the, the um, it's, a, it's an oath. He's it's created. an oath, exactly. So you have to believe you, you want to follow me. I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. 
And there is no, 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 explana- no further explanation. It's an affirmation, and that's it. He says it's plainly, you believe, fine. You don't believe, fine. Exactly. <laughs> that's it. Because he has done so many miracles before that he had a tremendous credit. So whatever he will say, they should believe. And of course, what he was going to say is something that requires faith. Because this is only God that can do something and understand what he's doing because he's divine. And we cannot understand divinity as a whole. We can only understand part of it, but not, not everything. Don't forget with the person of Moses, God directed him to perform various prodigious events to make sure that the Jewish people knew exactly. that he was with him, right? He got him to split the Red Sea. Why? So that they would understand, this man is with me. Right? God could have done it himself. And one of the of characteristics course. of exactly. the Messiah that was already predicted was the fact that he would perform signs. And signs that were, that were wondrous, that were portentous. Yes. No? Exactly. So Beautiful. Yeah. So in that sense, Moses was acting a little bit like, like a priest. He was doing the, the miracle on behalf of God, but he was doing it. Yes. Very nice. Uh, I say to you, unless you eat, you will not uh, have life for, forever. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. So the, the Eucharist is eternal life. And I will raise him on the last day. So it, it's a promise that uh, you will have life forever, not just for, for uh, 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 life on earth. Father, in that sense, is the explanation and the reason for the whole creation. No? Because God creates to share with us his own life, and now he comes with the final part. No? Here it is. This is the Eucharist, and this is how it's going to happen. How I'm going to give myself to you so that forever and ever you are there. And then you come to eternal life. No, it's just the amazing, Eucharist no? is the final point of creation. All creation makes, takes its sense of the Eucharist, of that union between God and man and the Eucharist. So fundamental for us Catholics to understand this, no? It's because essential. it's not just out of goodwill or poetry. No, oh, how beautiful it is, is Jesus, body, blood, soul, and the... It is the very essence of our faith. It is where everything goes, where everything converges. And if we as Catholics don't have that in mind, I think we missed, we missed the boat. We, <laughs> we missed everything. You haven't understood anything of our faith. I think another point that's important is to remember that Jesus is as present in one particle of the host as he in a loaf, if you were to have a loaf. In Eastern Rite, they use okay. loaves. So yeah. if you were to have a huge loaf of, of, of bread, he is as present as in a particle a little bit, a little crumb. It's not the amount. No. And that's really important for us to get into our thick heads because a lot of times we have an idea that it is how much we receive. No, because the amount is an appearance. And what, what um, the Eucharist is, is a substance. We are receiving the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter how much of an appearance you have. No, the substance is the same. It can be a, a big host or a small host. Doesn't change anything. It's there was the same that, substance. that famous cardinal, Vietnamese cardinal, no, Van Tuan. He he was on on, uh, on in jail nine years in, in you know, all alone there. And then somebody sneaked there a little piece of bread and and a little bit of wine. So he would con- consecrate a drop of wine and a little bit of bread, and that was it. Just to exemplify what Justin is saying, no, you don't need to have big huge amounts of quantities and everything. And the, the way that our Lord Jesus Christ says this in this part of the, um, of the, the discourse from 
from um, verse 48 to 59, it's, uh, it's an amazing way of, uh, of speaking because uh, it, you can only find it in the, uh, in the scriptures and it is called the chiasm. It's a literary device in which a sequence of ideas is presented and then repeated in the reverse because he starts saying that I am the bread of life and all this explanation, and then he ends up saying again, I am the bread of life. He goes up and down, you know, to explain. So he will finish by saying, just as the, as the living Father sent me, and I have life because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. <laughs> so I am the bread, he says it again. I am the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate and still died, Again. whoever is this bread will never die. <laughs> There's no proof in this text that this presence, this bread that comes down from heaven, is meant to be a symbolic presence. Absolutely. If you read what's there, there is no, no proof. If, if he meant symbolically, he would have said it. Yeah. Because people get very upset. Very upset at this moment, exactly. And they're leaving. And they leave. And if it, was some, if it was symbolism, you would call everyone's attention and say, excuse me, no, 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 I'm just... Exactly. Just a phrase. Just phrase But the more, the more we read this, the more it hits, you know, because they are treating our Lord like he did not have credentials yet, no? Uh, he just has multiplied, no, and, and the, the bread. He just has uh, fed all those people. Uh, and and more, many more things, no, many at this point. And so, yeah. And so what? Do you think that someone who could do that now cannot just put into practice what he's saying, even if it is difficult to understand? Don't you give him credit that he has already performed something wonderful? He, so, well, I don't know how is this going to happen, but it will happen. Of course. Mm -hmm. Don't forget, like, earlier he already forgave sins on behalf of God. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Because remember, he, he forgives the sins. Exactly. And then he asks the, uh, the ones, the naysayers, What's more difficult to do, um, to forgive to to forgive sins or to say to this man, get up and walk, and that blows their minds because they had it very clear that if you blaspheme God, which would be what it was being done, sure. you could never perform a miracle. Or so this was in his credentials. This the miracles continue credentials. coming, the proofs continue coming, so the signs continue he's coming. He's a person fully credentialed. Mm -hmm. He's performed miracles. He's expelled demons. He's expelled. He's done everything. He's done everything well, as Scripture tells us. Everything well, precisely. He resurrects the um, the uh, the daughter of the synagogue official of Capernaum, Jairus. Jairus. So he um, he had, you know, all all this um, authority to say to to explain that what he says happens. Yeah. So. Uh, when, when he speaks, whatever he says, it will happen because he is the creator and he has all the authority to, to do it. So when he says, this is my, my body, it, it is. But when, it, when the bread isn't tasty and good, it's excellent. When the local madman has been exercised and now you're safe, it's good. But when God demands faith, no, too far. 
So this is also a good examination of conscience, no? Now that we are still at, at this time when we record this program, we're in Lent, no? Because sometimes, yes, it happens that we don't understand quite well what happens with us, no? And sometimes we don't understand how God and why God does things. Uh, doesn't he have enough credentials to ask from us, no? A little bit of faith. And eventually we just can say, well, I don't understand right now, but maybe later on, no? <laughs> this will make sense, no? Exactly, because actually we cannot understand how it happens, how he can transform the substance of one thing into the other but we can understand that it makes sense because it is the way of him being uh, next to us and in us and united with us this is the perfect way of unite God and man but I think also is another point which is important is that we are creatures he is God mm -hmm. not everything is going to be explained to us not everything is going to make sense if we understand our position I think it might be a much happier spot to be in. If we demand God to explain everything to us, it's, it's going to be a very frustrating situation. Well, but then, then we can just delve into the next part of the program probably, no? because yes. we are talking about giving, giving here the basis and why the Eucharist is so important and so on. And now, okay, since we are still in the same issues, <laughs> we still have the same problems that the, 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 the people who are there present, sometimes we don't believe, no? God allows, God wants sometimes, Miracles to happen so that we can be, you know, helped in our strength. And so Eucharistic miracles also happen. Father, can we say that they happen so that our faith will somehow be sustained? Or we can be like St. Louis, you know, the king of France, that when they told him, no, no, there's a miracle happening, he just knelt, pray, prayed, and they just said, I, I don't need to go there. I know Jesus is present in the Eucharist. Yes, there were many miracles. Mm -hmm of the Eucharist. But we shouldn't believe in the Eucharist because of the miracles. Yeah, we, if we believe only because of the miracles, there's something of our faith which is not complete. There's the question of St. Thomas, right? You see because you believe. Blessed exactly. are those who do not see yet believe. So we, we want to be part of that happier group. Yes, we have to. We have to, we, we have to believe because of his word. Uh, if not, uh, our faith is not full. Now, the, um, there are miracles that happen uh, with the Eucharist, and there are miracles that happen uh, of the Eucharist. There are miracles that, that uh, happen that the Eucharist uh, changed miraculously on something else, mm -hmm. the appearance. Those are with. Miracles with the Eucharist. Or those, of, those Eucharist. Are of. Those are of. Of, of the Eucharist. Of the, of the Eucharist itself. Miracles uh -huh. of the Eucharist. What happened to the Eucharist? The Eucharist changed in blood and in and, and flesh, etc. Many, many, many times. Uh, so in, for, for those who maybe are not, uh, are not that familiar, in the same way, no? God says, uh, I am here with body, blood, soul, and divinity. Sometimes he physically shows, no? His, his blood, his, uh, his um, help flesh. No? Exactly. To help us to believe but not to make us believe. We shouldn't believe just because of, of the miracles. And some of the cases are directly to help an individual who is in that exactly. crossroads of doubt, to give them something to allow them to span the gully of that trial that they're going through. That's exactly Lanciano, huh? the miracle of, of Lanciano. Well, that could be probably the first miracle we're going to touch for okay. today, yes? That's because it. Lanciano happened in the year 800, that. Happened on the 8th century. 8th century. We don't know exactly when. Approximately between the year 730 and 750 in a little uh, village in, uh, in Italy. And it was a Basilian monk who had 
doubts. He couldn't really understand if it's really the, the, the blood of uh, and blood and, and body of Lord Jesus Christ, or it's just uh, something you know like a symbol, etc. So at a certain day, he was celebrating mass, and in the moment in which he says, "This is my body," and then when he says, "This is my blood," the 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 bread is uh, becomes flesh, and the wine becomes blood, and the the wine uh, will later coagulate in five different uh, uh, pieces, and those pieces are of different size. And later on, when they studied those pieces, they 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 they, um, uh, they a conclusion that it was real blood and it was real flesh of the heart, and that if you put them in a scale, each piece separately, even though they were of different sizes, they will they will weigh the same. And if you put them all together, the, the five together, they will weigh the same, because it's it's only uh, our Lord Jesus Christ. It's it's, it's one. I think that's another proof of the same question we were talking about earlier, meaning that the size of the of the host doesn't make a difference because it is that's an appearance, and this is substance. So in the same idea, this is the substance of our Lord. Now, Father, I would like to, to point out about um, the miracle of uh, Lanciano, no? that uh, if it happened in the year 800, no? it was only until 1970 where actually the doctors arrived, no? and they, they could also um, investigate what kind of blood it was. And they pointed out that this, the, the blood type corresponds to the, the type AB, which is also present in many other Eucharistic miracles. All AB. It's also present in the Holy Shroud of Turin. Exactly. And all, the, all these things related to miracles, well, completely what related to the person of our Lord. It's always, so can we say that our Lord Jesus Christ had AB? Yes. Type no blood <laughs> because no. Know, it's no always knowledge. there no but it, that is interesting no because the miracle happens God waits for science for us mankind to kind of you know continue growing in the in the path of knowledge and everything else and then when the scientists are ready now they go and they verify more things no it may take twelve hundred years twelve hundred yeah twelve hundred years but yet it's there no it's beautiful beautiful so the um, uh, the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ under the species, under the appearances of bread or wine is the same as under the appearance of flesh and blood. <laughs> what it is um, really is the body, um, blood, soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. He, he's fully there. How? We don't know exactly. But it's beautiful. So it doesn't matter the appearance. So when you go to communion and you receive the, the body of Christ under the species of bread or wine, it's the same. You're receiving the same thing. Second major miracle that chronologically follows, although, although we were listening to different other programs by our brothers, heroes of the gospel in different countries, in different languages, and they were saying that literally there are hundreds, if not thousands of Eucharistic miracles, no? But uh, let's take the next one, maybe, you know, here in the, in the list that we have, it's the miracle of Bolsena, because it's also a contemporary to two great saints, no? St. Thomas Aquinas, <laughs> nothing less, and St. Bonaventure, no, nothing less, right. no? Just for our audience, just to know, no, they both taught in the University of Paris. St. Thomas, I think, was in the morning, and St. Bonaventure in the, in the afternoon, no? What a, what a teaching stuff, eh? they had, eh? incredible. That's in the 13th century already. Mm-hmm. 
and it's also in, in Italy. And the um, the uh, the host sheds blood on the corporal. The priest also was, you know, in a certain type of doubt. Apparently, he, he was a German priest going a on German a pilgrimage priest. to Rome just to actually you know, receive some graces so that he could understand better the transubstantiation. But he also no, was thinking about leaving the priesthood. Oh, okay. So his crisis was deep. Deep. Very interesting. So our Lord does this miracle for him. For him. And uh, so he, the, uh, he takes the, uh, the corporal and he takes it to the Pope. And the Pope is very, very, very impressed. There's, uh, there's no doubt. There's, there's no explanations. And this um, uh, corporal is kept till today in the Cathedral of Orvieto. You can go there and see it. And you can see the, the saints. I've been there. You can see the stains of the uh, uh, after so many centuries. Huh? After you so can many see the stain centuries. of the of the blood of the corporal. But that miracle actually provoked, no, the proclamation of the feast of uh, Corpus, Corpus Christi, Christi. no, because uh, that pope that was there at that time. I don't recall the name, but he was in the uh, he was in his summer residence, which was close to yeah, Vietnam, close to there. The so he, he went there and then came a, came closer and then he knelt down in adoration, prostrated himself in adoration. To, to, Liturgy for that mass was written top to bottom by Thomas Aquinas, exactly. and that's where we get the Pancha Lingua from. Because Thomas Aquinas is called, he's called the Doctor of the Eucharist, because he's the one who really explained as much as possible what really happens to the bread and the wine, and he says the bread and the wine at the moment of the consecration, the substance changes. But the appearance mm. remains. So it's, it looks like bread, but it's not bread anymore. It is the substance of, uh, of our Lord Jesus And the Christ. same with the wine, right? And the mm. same thing with the, with the wine. So it is like, you know, uh, let's take these two flowers. This one is done with plastic. This one is real flower. So they look the same, but the substance is completely different. <laughs> the, looks are, the looks work but exactly the, the appearance are, are the same but the substance is different this is real flower this is just substance wow and they look plastic. like <laughs> incredible mm -hmm. so uh, the um, this is what is called the transubstantiation so it's not a trans transformation because the form remains the, the appearance the, uh, the color etc remains but the substance changes so in the Eucharist we receive his divinity. We receive his body and his divinity. And, and we are united with him in the, in, the, in the Eucharist for some minutes. We don't know exactly how many, but at that moment, God and man becomes one. But so there is another miracle, Father, as well, right? I think Brother Justin was commenting that differs a little bit because it's a miracle still, no? A miracle of the Eucharist. But I don't know if you have heard that, but in churches happens many times that people go to communion, but instead of receiving Holy Communion, they just manage to steal eh, the particles and then they go and sell it, sell them for black masses and then for all kinds of things. Superstitious. No? Superstitious. Superstitious elements, like, absolutely. So it, there is this big miracle in Portugal, the miracle of Santarem, and I think that's, that's what happened, right? Yeah, there was a woman living in Santarem, and she was upset, distressed, justifiably so. Her husband had been cheating on her. And so she decided that she, well, a little bit senseless, but anyway, she decided that the only solution she had was to go to a sorceress to, uh, okay. to fix the situation. 
And the sorceress gave her as a price for her services one consecrated host. So she went to Mass and she received communion on her tongue. Now, one little point here. You see, it's more difficult when it's on your tongue to snatch it than it is on your hand. But she removed it quickly and left with the host. Wrapped it in her veil, headed out the door. But as she left the church, the host began to bleed. There you go, on the spot. (laughs) She got home and she lost her mind. The host is bleeding. She put it in her chest. That night, a miraculous light shines. Shines forth, emanating throughout the house. Now, imagine, she was doing it on the, uh, like, uh, as a secret. The whole town knows now. Exactly. So. There you go. <laughs> she repents. And now. And she goes to the priest. The priest goes to find what's going on and to bring the host back to the church. And there you have the approval of that miracle of Santa Ring. Yeah. No. So now the chapel, which was originally St. Stephen's, is now known as the Chapel of the Holy Miracle. Mm-hmm. Portugal has that, no? Santarem, if you see a map. Actually, there is this, this beautiful uh, what, exposition of, of, of different miracles put together by Blessed Carlo Acutis. And he puts together the whole, the whole list. It's really phenomenal, really beautiful to see. It's, a, it's an itinerant um, uh, what, exhibition. Yeah. Yeah? And then, uh, of course, in, in, in the heart of Portugal, you have the one in Santarem, you know, that, that dominates the, the Portuguese map. But there are also so many more that he came up with, you know, he, he put together. And they actually, it's a very, very nice, uh, I think we're going to add the list in the, in the notes here in the program. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, our list has 10, we were, we were talking about, but you could easily put 10,000. Oh, yes. And, uh, we don't know exactly how many they are, actually. Besides the miracle that happens every day at Mass. But there are also miracles that Blessed Carlo Acutis put together. You don't have to go to the, what, 800, you know, the year 800 or the 1300s. There are here some 1996, 2006, 2001, 1991, so now, Father, if you permit, then maybe we could move to the other kind of Eucharistic miracle that exists, which is the miracles with the Eucharist. No, so so some saints or some uh, um, what someone no physically needs to carry the, the the blessed sacrament, and then miracles happen because the person is f- visibly moving and then you no know, performing some some sign or something that you no know, gives the blessed sacrament the opportunity to. Perform a miracle. Is that Saint Claire of Assisi, no? in the year 1240, that uh, she frees her convent because the Saracens were were invading and they were going to go into the convent. And she goes. No? She's a religious, and she goes to the tabernacle and she gets the Eucharist and she stops them with the Eucharist in her hand. Wow. And they they really stop and they go away. And uh, our Lord Jesus Christ then tells her, "I will always protect you." <laughs> So he confirmed it is me. So she, I did it. She, she stopped all of them like an army coming with the Eucharist in her hands. Wow. Another one happened to Don Bosco. He was celebrating Mass and there were like 350 um, boys or children or uh, people attending his Mass. 
And when he goes to, um, to give the, the, uh, the Eucharist, he realizes that in the Ciborium there are only eight. <laughs> eight for 350 people. Yes. So uh, all those who are on the altar, etc., they, they, they get, you know... Uh, Panicked. Panic. <laughs> and what are we going to do? Said, and Don Bosco said, no, don't worry, give me... The, and he started giving, you know, and he continues through 300, you know, <laughs> with the same Ciborium. <laughs> With the same trust. Yeah, it's amazing. But there are also other miracles that have animals related, no? That when, when animals actually, they, in, of course, no, they, they are not humans, but they acknowledge the divinity of our Lord. No? St. Anthony of Padua, no? St. Anthony has many stories which are fascinating. The one with the Eucharist, with the, uh, with the atheist man. Yes. The atheist man refused to genuflect when he went into a church. And then St. Anthony said that your donkey would do it. So they starved the donkey for three days. Imagine starving this donkey. Donkeys are incredibly stubborn. And then they brought the Blessed Sacrament to that area. And then the donkey kneels down and refuses to move until the Blessed Sacrament leaves. They put food, they put everything. It doesn't move. It knew who the creator of the world was. The man doesn't. Amazing. Man's ignorant. He had faith. No, the donkey had faith. <laughs> the donkey. <laughs> well, more, we than, more than many Catholics today, no? <laughs> if we have the faith of the donkey, we're good. Eh? Really yes. good. Really good to go. Look, another one also is interesting is the case of um, the, uh, the Marshal, Marshal Turin. Ah, yes, yes. That, um, Marshal Turin is famous, no? I mean, in history for oh, yeah. his his way of commanding, his uh, the different battles he won. This is 18th century, more or less, right? This is Louis XIV, yeah. Oh, okay. And he is one of the, the the greatest marshals of France, and he was in a castle having a discussion with Bossuet about religious subjects, and there is a, a fire that that uh, goes out. And uh, the people come, and Turin is uh, coordinating, you know, the, the people to to to, uh, to extinguish the fire, and they cannot. So Bosuet goes to the to the uh, to the chapel. He takes the the, um, the blessed sacrament, and he puts the blessed sacrament in front of the, of the fire, and the fire disappears. Wow! <laughs> so then Turin he converts. He he was a Calvinist, I think, and mm -hmm. he converts to to Catholicism. Calvinists don't believe in anything to do with you. No, nothing. No. It's merely a, a, a spiritual, non-material yeah. presentation of the Lord somehow. There's another miracle that happened in, in Montserrat, Spain, in 1657. And it was a, a girl who went to the, uh, to the church to ask uh, a message for his father who passed away. So the monk said, okay, well, we're going to pray. Uh, come, you know, such a day, we'll say the first mass, second mass, third mass. So at the first mass, the girl sees his father... Uh, in uh, in flames, he's in purgatory. <laughs> so then the second at the second mass, he sees that his father is uh, it's he's much much better. He's in another dress, uh, but still he's not uh, not completely free. And then at the third mass, he sees that his father is going out of purgatory and goes up to heaven because of the masses that were being said for him. No, that's really beautiful. Yeah? But also, Father, there is something important, no? because the, the, how many prayers, how many interesting topics also has happened in the lives of popes. No? Because if you pay attention, no, I mean, 
the the one of the biggest treasures that a Catholic can can receive is well be absolved, receive Holy Communion before death. No, so the the priest that you know, confesses and then also he, that he can receive the, the Holy Eucharist before dying, and the Church calls that you no. Know, Viaticum, which is canson Latin, no via tecum, on the way with you. No, so the church wants to give us the strength, wants to strengthen us on our passage from this world to the next. No, and there, there, there was here an example by Pius IX, no, that he also, uh, well, <laughs> it wasn't a miracle as such, but it was something that a pope decided to proclaim, no, and and, and to pay homage, no, to the blessed sacrament. To the blessed that was being taken no, to, a, to, a, to a sick person by a priest. And I, I think that uh, he, was, he was passing by at the same time and he sees uh, this little procession taking the Blessed Sacrament to, to this house and he stops, no? he gets out of, the, um, of his carriage and um, he invites the priest, I think, to come uh, in, the, uh, uh, in, in, in the carriage with him and uh, he goes to uh, to the house, and uh, uh, later on he he sends a blessing and uh, to to the, uh, to the sick person. Uh, oh, how important it is now for us to realize. And again, if we go but back that's to where the, the tradition of the papal blessing comes from. Ah, from there because he from. gave his blessing, ah, see. the apostolic blessing, and then he saw that it was good, and then it was given as part of. The viaticum. The viaticum. So many people who are dying can also receive at the same time with the viaticum the apostolic blessing, the blessing of the Pope at the moment of death. So that's something. It's a grace that we need to ask for, no? In our the grace of good death needs to be always a grace, you know, in our in our list there, no? Viaticum is one of the names that the Eucharist has received because this uh, the sacrament of the Eucharist has many names uh, because it's so big that it cannot be summarized just in in one. Mm -hmm. Bread so, of angels, uh, all those those beautiful names. Exactly. In in one sense, sense is the sacrifice, the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, that uh, He dies on the, on the cross for us, uh, for our um, for our salvation. So is the the uh, the Eucharist is the sacrifice. But then there is another name, which is the communion, which is that it is uh, in in the mass. In a moment in which we receive, we receive the, the Eucharist, we enter in communion with uh, our Lord Jesus Christ and with the Church. Then there is the Viaticum, which is uh, in the sense that this is a sacrament that we need for the future, for our, our, our journey, the Viaticum. And then the, um, the, it receives the, the fourth name, which is the Eucharist, which means the Thanksgiving, which represents that heaven is a huge thanksgiving for our Lord Jesus Christ who incarnate himself, came to the world and he gave himself to us in the Eucharist. So we hope this, this helps a lot our audience eh, to grow in devotion to the Holy Eucharist, eh, to grow in understanding as well. No? And miracles are always a tremendous help because they are examples no, that sustain sometimes our faith. Although, as you were saying, Father, in the beginning too, we don't have to you know, be only relying on the, on the miracles. No? But this is very important. So it doesn't happen to us. No? What happens on these, uh, these surveys no? that if 70% of the Catholics in the pews don't have clear that you know, our Lord is really present in the Blessed Sacrament, at least eh, let's help them and also let's have a world grow in our own faith. No? There is so much disrespect for the Eucharist today. Mm -hmm. 
And this already in Fatima, the angel already um, uh, had this in mind, and he gave uh, a prayer for the for the children to pray as uh, reparation. Or, or Father, maybe we could pray this uh, this uh, yeah. then well, the prayer, and then we give us the, the final blessing here in the program. And this is very important because um, the angel was preparing the children to receive Our Lady. Yeah, he gave them communion first to prepare their souls for the message that she was going to give. <laughs> I offer thee the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, present in all the tabernacles of the world, in reparation for the outrages, sacrileges, and indifferences whereby he is offended, and through the infinite merits of his most sacred heart and the immaculate heart of Mary, I beg of thee the conversion of poor sinners." Simple, Wonderful. but to the point. Eh? So this is what we desire, what we wish to our audience today, and that we, we grow in that line. Eh? So let's uh, finish with the, with the blessing for all of you. The Lord be with you. And with, with your, your spirit. spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Be to God.